You may know that I grew up in farm, ranching, and oil country of West Texas. It wasn't quite the desert, but you could see the desert from there. My father was a dryland cotton farmer for most of his life, and uh, to make such an enterprise work, you really need 20 inches of rainfall a year. And the average rainfall was 17 inches. So it was, it was always on, on the edge for us. In the early 1960s, um, the Department of Defense looked around the country and thought that that place where I grew up would be a good place to put some missile silos because it wasn't worth very much to begin with. Uh, if we have to lose some land, this would be some good land to lose. So there were three Atlas missile silos around the little oval-shaped valley where I grew up. And I never saw one of those missiles going into a silo, except in the fall of 1962. October 1962, when all the grown-ups around were fearful of nuclear war, Cuban Missile Crisis. I was seven years old at the time, and with God as my witness, these past two weeks I have felt like I was seven years old again. New talk about nuclear warfare. White supremacy? That was what I heard talked about when I was seven years old. I knew, I knew already that our work as a society is not yet done when it comes to matters of, of race and ethnicity and, and um, privilege and all those related matters. I thought we had left talk of white supremacy behind us, but apparently we have not. The Canaanite woman in the gospel today interrupts all our well-placed anguish, all this necessary worrying that we've been doing. All these claims about racial supremacy, claims that are corrosive to our life as a nation and for us, as people of faith, they're just sinful. That's all there is to it. Maybe the Canaanite woman shows us a way forward. To me, this is one of the most important stories in the whole gospel. Because I think that Jesus would have us prepare our hearts and prepare our communities for the likes of this person. And we have to understand that she is never going quite to be our kind of people. 
whenever we encounter her. In the Gospel reading, the best-intentioned of the, the disciples simply wanted to make her go away. She is not like them. And the fact is, she is creeping them out. Pious Galilean Jews have nothing to do with the likes of her. A Gentile, even in a country so close to where they live, she is a Gentile. And she is a woman. Everything about her is unclean. And this, the sum total of this, doesn't sound like much. But you put it all together and it makes these guys want to run out of that gospel reading and run away screaming. They don't like being in this place. They don't like this woman talking to the master. But as it turns out, this least likely person has something important to tell Jesus. Something he has not known before. The Messiah learns from her. And she has something to say that is worth the disciples overhearing. The narrative raises an implicit question. What in the world are these pious Galilean Jews doing in a place like this? Well, they're there because Jesus has taken them there. A Gentile place and a pagan place. The likes of them would want to avoid the coastline like it was kryptonite. This place is going to kill them. Mary Doria Russell's science fiction novel. And if you have not read this thing, get you away to Amazon and find this. It's a, a novel entitled The Sparrow. It's the story set in the near future. And across the universe comes a voice, a strikingly beautiful voice. And the radio astronomers in Arecibo in Puerto Rico hear this voice. The world government at the time cannot get its act together to organize a journey to find this voice. The world government can't do it, but the Jesuits can. And so they do. This religious order puts together 
a community, an odd community, a mixed community of explorers and pilgrims to travel across the universe to find where this voice is coming from. They want to, want to meet the singer and all the creatures like the singer. And why would the church want to do such a thing as this? The question is put to the superior general of the Jesuits, and he has a simple explanation. We're doing what we've always done. We're going there to meet God's other children. And that's what we do. And that's what they do. So they assembled this community to travel the distance of four light years to a place they had never imagined. It, it, it's a story that is heartbreaking. And it's one of those science fiction tales that seems as if it could be so real. But in an odd sort of way, uh, it gives the reader hope and courage. Mary Doria Russell, the sparrow. And God continues to call the people of God to meet God's other children, to stand with them, to savor the good news of Jesus with them, and to learn and to learn. God still calls us into places like this, places we could never have imagined, places of adventure and risk that will break us and make us whole and give us hope. So back to the Gospel where the Canaanite woman, you will notice, argues with Jesus. She argues with him to make him understand. I get the sense that if she could, she would grab him by the cheeks and talk to him directly, because this is important. To this point, Jesus has thought that he is for Israel only. The woman makes him realize that no, he is for God's other children also. And it's, if it's just the scraps, then the scraps we will take and we will be glad for them. This realization startles Jesus. And immediately he gives this woman a nickname. Doesn't come across quite so well in translation. But he calls her, O oh, great faithed one. Great faithed one. And this is in direct contrast to what he had to say to, G to Peter 
in last Sunday's gospel when he called him, O little faithed one. Peter of the recidivism of not quite believing the way that he has the power to believe this disastrous attempt at walking on the water when he goes under the water instead. This is so emblematic of Jesus' upside-down world. The ultimate outsider gets it. while the ultimate insider is a recidivist in failure. Welcome to the gospel world. People of faith desperately need those encounters with the other. We have to have them, the stranger, We have to have him. We have to have her. This is a reason for engaging in God's mission. It's a reason for laundry love in this place, for making a house available to Magdalene St. Louis, for pilgrimages to El Salvador, for organizing to say no to gun violence. These are all good things, and mission has to be non-negotiable. In part because Jesus would have us to go there, and in part because the people whom we encounter will have important things to tell us, things we would never hear otherwise. Dear God, help us to be alert to the stranger, the one so unlike us, the family walking through the doors of this place who are not husband, wife, and two lovely children, but the other. Imagine the richness of such a place. I think that's the place you're becoming. Follow that deeper. Let's follow it deeper here at the Church of the Holy Communion and into the other places where Jesus would have us to go. The otherness is so close to us sometimes. The otherness of Ferguson, Missouri has been imprinted on our awareness these past three years. There is something still for us to learn from that piece of geography and its people. I suspect that Mike Brown still has something for us to hear and to learn, if we can just listen. Dear friends, the waters of baptism compel us 
into Christ's body, the church. And there is no undoing of that. The community here in this place is important. And if we pay close enough attention, we will discover that it's crucial for us, that we are being saved together, or not at all. The waters bring us into the household of God, marking us as Christ's own forever. All this is true, but listen, baptism is not for solace only. It is also for God's adventure. The strong surging waters taking us God knows where. Compelling us to discover God's other children. Not for solace only, but for mission. And hang on for your life. Because once we get started, we discover that we would not want to miss what God has in store, not for anything in the world. Amen.